Gabe, how you doing? It's been a week. Yeah, it's been a while. I, it, feel, it feels good. We got a new manager, dude. Do you like it? You watched the presser, right? I, I watched the presser. I watched his phone call to Elo Jimenez. Yeah, the FaceTime. Yeah, the FaceTime. It was very cool. Um, it's funny because during the presser, he stumbled over his Spanish a little bit, and he kind of said something a little incorrectly, and I thought to myself, that's odd. Well, what then, was it? So he was repeating something in English, in English that he it, said. Is that when he was uh, he was addressing Salvador Perez, saying, "I know you're watching." No, 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 no. It was when he was saying uh, about communication, and he okay. said, "He said that one thing we're gonna, we're going to have here is communication." He said, "Aquí, cuando habla de comunicación, no va a faltar eso." So he he stumbled over a little bit, and I was like, "That's weird. That's not something that Spanish people do." You know, say real Spanish. I do that. I'm not a real Spanish speaker. But yeah. Him. So then I went online and I looked up you know, like what his background was. He was born in Miami. Yeah. And, and then it made sense to me. It's like, oh, yeah, you're like me. You're, you're, you're born here. His right. Spanish is way better than mine. But, you know, you're born here. You're not, you're not, you weren't born in Cuba. His, um, his dad was one of the, the Peter Pan babies in 1962 that was shipped over here without their parents from Cuba. Oh, so wow. he's, he's much more American technically than he is Cuban because even his dad grew up here. Yeah. His yeah, dad was did. born in Cuba, but grew up here. It's funny because my dad's cute. My, my, my stepfather's cute. I call him dad. He's raised me since I was five. Um, but he's Cuban. My brother's Cuban. And, and I, t- I text both of them and I was like, so yeah, are you guys Sox fans now? Like what's going on? Not- oh yeah. Chico. That's how they talk over there in Miami. Oh yeah. Chico. I got tons of family in Miami. My grandma lives out there, my aunts. So I'm very familiar with like Miami Cubans and, and how they operate. So I'm excited though. Yeah. I feel, I feel good about it. He's, he is, he has a coach Eberflus vibe to him, someone that is uh, direct, stern, believable, and like don't fuck with him because you could tell he's like he's not that dude. That's not the guy you want to mess with. Yeah. So yesterday we had uh, well we had Pedro on the show on Parkinson Spiegel, and then immediately Ooh, following did him. Did you really? Yeah. Ooh, yeah I got more. I got questions. Two thirty. Yeah. Um, and then we had his mentor and World Series winning manager Ned Yostan right after him. And that was one of the questions Danny and Speaks asked was, you know, we're looking here, the White Sox fans are looking here for someone to hold their players accountable when they don't hustle, but somebody who can do it in the right way. Someone who can look a player in the eye and say, hey, that was messed up. You shouldn't be doing that. But then also be able to give them a hug right after and no love yeah. lost. And Ned Yo said, oh, yeah, that's absolutely the guy. He's got some red ass in him. He can yeah. go after you. There, there were times where he'd go after Salvi Perez and they wouldn't speak for three or four days. But then after those three or four days, Salvi Perez had his arms around his neck, hugging him and he wouldn't let go. So <laughs> it's the, the ability for the, for one person to be both the good cop and the bad cop and still retain all this respect. And that was the biggest vibe in there yesterday. I was out at the presser yesterday and the glow coming off of Rick Hahn was something that we haven't seen in three years. It, it's Somebody on Twitter yesterday put out a comparison of what Rick Hahn's face looked like at the Tony introductory presser and what his face looked like at the Pedro Grafal introductory presser, and it's night and day. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm so happy for Rick. Of course, and I, and I know you're a big fan of his, and I'm sure you got to be happy that he's finally been able to make a decision. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and you know, yeah, this was clearly Rick's call. Yeah, he not was even. It was, I was going to say, not even make a decision, but do his job, right? That's yeah. got to feel good for him and for you guys that are close closer to him the most. But yeah, you heard a lot about that on Twitter, where they were like, Rick's face, you know, is, is not definitely night and day compared to before, and it's good. I mean, but this looks like a good hire, right? When you when you see it 
first five minutes in, you know, we, you and I, you know, obviously we speculated for, for months about who could it potentially be. But when you get it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what a GM does. He he thinks that the idiots that are out there, you know, picking guys from a tree, you know, no, the he gets to interview them. He gets to speak with them intimately. And then he gets he understands who a coach and, or what a coach should look like. And that's exactly what you got in Pedro Grafal. And, and, and you heard it in the conversation with Eloy. You know, the quiero mucho is it, they, they translated it as I love you. You know, but the quiero is like, if you do it verbatim, is like, you know, I, like I want you, right? But that's not what that means when you're saying it in context. And it's not I love you either. You know, te amo is I love you, right? Yeah. Um, but to say te quiero is like, it's more like, like I, I care about you. I, I care about you, the person. Te quiero, te quiero mucho, okay? Like I, I care about you and I, I can't wait to see you. And it's a very Latin thing to do. You hear your, my grandparents say it, you know, my older st statesman in the family. So when you, when I heard him saying that to Eloy, you know, a guy that, that he mentioned that he'd met, but you know, didn't have that real relationship, but to say something like that for a, a Latin player and even just a Latin speaker, a Spanish speaker like me, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, this is what these guys need. Like someone that can say that, but at the same time, hey, but, but you better be ready. Cause you heard him asking, right? Like, Hey, did you do, you got your work in today? Yeah. You know, like very outside and inside. Yeah. Outside and inside. Very caring. Again. Yeah. So when you say te quiero, it's a, it's a caring notion. And, and I think that that's what something that, that I, I'm not trying to shit on whatever happened, you know, last year, but I don't, I don't know if those guys probably felt that way with yeah. a Tony LaRusso that they no. cared about him in the same way, you know, like it was sold to us that, Hey, Tony LaRusso is a Spanish speaker. He's going to have no problem. You know, he came up with Albert Pujols and he came <laughs> up with egos like Ricky Henderson. Like, don't worry about it. Tony LaRusso is going to, going to make sure everyone feels fine. And that's just, that's not what the vibe has been the last two years, two and a half years. The vibe has been of complete, exclusivity and not inclusivity and that's something that they hammered home yesterday Pedro Grafal made, made sure to made sure people know that this is going to be an inclusive yet accountable environment and that just what he did for Salvador Perez Salvador Perez coming up through that royal system was not the prospect that Lorenzo Cain was and Alex mm. Gordon was and Eric Hosmer was and Mike Moustakis was he was a lower level prospect and Pedro Grafal as his mentor father figure catching coach hitting coach everything turned him into a world series winning catcher an all-star catcher a gold glove catcher a silver slugger he did that for salvador perez this is a guy who is a a manager of not just baseball players but a manager of people yeah. and that's that's the biggest thing i i look we this past season you and i spent a lot of time talking about yoa mancada and how yoa mancada just was coming off as lazy and Yoan Moncada comes off as if he doesn't want to be there. Yoan Moncada has very similar issues personally off the field that Salvador Perez had. Salvador Perez didn't have a father. Pedro Grafal mm. stepped in and he was that figure for him. Yoan Moncada, and we talked about this with Pedro on the show yesterday, has talked publicly and openly about how hard it is to not have his family here watching him play baseball. And that's Pedro was able to speak to it from his father's uh, perspective because his father didn't have his parents here. His father right. was a Peter Pan baby, came over here in 1962, didn't have his parents, had no family, nothing. He was he was an orphan. So to have Pedro in the room, having a father that went through exactly what Yoan Moncada is going through, it's, it's going to turn him around completely. As long as Yoan Moncada is open to a new lifestyle and a rejuvenation of his career with the White Sox, and it's going to turn his career around completely. One guy is going to do that. And yeah. the fact that Rick wasn't empowered to make this decision earlier 
wasted three years. Yeah, of the organization. Yeah, of the organization's potential. And I think, you know, Shane, you know, you and I, I think we mirror the sentiments of the entire Chicago White Sox fan base where, you know, granted, we, we, we threw out names that we wanted, but what we wanted ultimately was just to get the best out of our guys. Right. And whoever that was, we want that whoever that dude was, that's what we wanted and fill in the blank with that name. And and so Pedro Griffal, obviously, you know, just taking the bull by the horns from the very beginning and establishing his presence here is what we can see, because we said it right. We say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just using this one name, you know, Ozzy's not going to let Yoan not be Yoan. Right. And, and then some people would say, oh, lazy. And this, no, 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 not that. Yoan Makata, like the best version of Yoan Makata that can possibly exist. Now we get to say Pedro Grafal, and we can say that same thing with him. Pedro is not going to allow Yoan to not be Yoan. He understands the kind of talent that exists in that locker room and that dugout, and he is going to try his best to get the best out of every single individual that's there. And not just Latinos. I know we're harping on the fact that, you know, he's he's talking to them, but Andrew Vaughn, you know, like any of those guys, Lance Lynn, he's going he's gonna to hold everyone accountable, and he's going to make sure that those guys are doing it because he understands, listen, who better, not who better, I shouldn't say that because I don't want to just praise this man as if no one else is available, but like a guy like Pedro Grifo who saw the White Sox, imagine how he felt in, in, in the opposing dugout being like, they don't got their shit figured out over there, right? Or yeah. or him salivating, thinking like, man, if I got a hold of that team, imagine what I could do with those guys over there. That's I'm sure he had that passion and that fire in those interviews and and, and, and an understanding and have a different different level of understanding about that team and, and what he can do for them. And so that see where he's at right now and get, being given the opportunity. I know you're, I, I know right now you're not going to be selling or giving away too many of your White Sox tickets. I, I, I know that, Shane. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I got to see it on the field. It, it, like Pedro Grafal is the right guy. And he said it yesterday in his presser and on our station that there were three jobs available. This is the only job that was available where you're expected to win now. Hmm. So he understands the expectations. He understands the. What were the, the other two? Did he say? Well, I mean, the Royals job was open and the uh, Marlins, the Marlins job was open. Okay. Yeah. So he knows what has to be done. They, they emphasized it. Rick emphasized it yesterday in the presser that they still believe in this core as being a championship core and whether that's true or not, we, 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 you just have to see, but the regression last year and not even regression to the mean it's not even like everyone was overperforming in 2020 and then right. I mean in 2021 and then in 2022 they just they were the worst versions of themselves. It wasn't even the regression to the mean. They were all so point. fucking bad. That was a great point. That was a historically bad baseball team for what they are, for what they should be. And yeah, health factors in and the the core itself maybe played 25 games together. But that was a historically bad baseball team that even if they just regress back to the mean, they should win 92 games, yeah. 90 games. Yeah, They're not an 81-win team. This is a team that should win the division every single year. But like I've said all season, that's not what I want. Hmm. I don't want them to just win the division every single year. And hmm. Pedro Grafol, out of everyone available, seems like – He's not the sexiest name. Nobody knew who Pedro Gafol was before his name started being floated around to, to replace Tony La Russa. But this seems to be, on the field and off the field, the guy who can turn an organization around. An organization that, by the way, made a complete 180. The fact that, you know, Rick broke down the process yesterday in his opening statement. The first round of interviews, first of all, they had about 30 names for, for anyone who didn't see the presser. They had about 30 names. 
They racked that down to eight. First round mm-hmm. of inter- interviews was between was with Rick, Chris Getz, and Jeremy Haber, the assistant GM. Second round, Rick and Kenny. Final round, Rick, Kenny, and Jerry. Mm-hmm. They didn't let Jerry influence who was getting this job based on who he was better friends with. Did he say who – did he say people were in the final round? No. No, he just said we were, we're, we were at eight, and then we broke it down, and then we broke it down. I'd assume three. Um, but Rick talked about it yesterday, the, the fact that he had to check himself before going into other interviews. Like after he had his interview with Pedro, he had to then check himself before going in to interview other guys because <laughs> all he could think about was that's the guy I want. That's yeah. the guy I want. I want Pedro Cafal. So yeah. – like I said, nobody knows who the fuck he is. All we can do is talk to people who do know who he is. And we've been doing that all week on, on Parkinson's Beagle between George Brett, Lance Lynn, Pedro himself, Ned Yost. Nothing but glowing reviews. About yeah, I got, I got an opportunity to replay the Brett, uh, George Brett interview on uh, Overnight that I did this week. And just hearing how he spoke about uh, Pedro was really cool, too. You know, like a yeah. guy like George Brett speaking in that way. And, 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 and I think you're right, you know. No one knew who he was, you know, but that's why you have to tip your cap to a guy like Rick Hahn, right? And he's gotten so much slack, you know, flack over the last shit three years, you know, just for the things that he's been doing. But it's really cool to see him make some, uh, you know, a, a decision like this where you're saying to yourself, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. We do like Rick Hahn. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does know what the hell he's doing, right? And he's, he's making good decisions because how can you as a Sox fan not feel good about this? How, how can you, especially if it's, especially because it's out of the blue, you know, it's like a guy you, that nobody was talking about really. So to see it, see it happen. And it's kind of like, I keep bringing up Eberflus because it's, it's to me, it feels the same way where, you know, coach Eberflus was a guy, you know, nobody really thought of, but then once you spent, once you as a fan got to spend some intimate time with him watching interviews and seeing him coach, then you're like, Oh yeah, dude, how, I can't imagine anybody else getting the head coaching job for the bears to see them be, uh, be what they can be in the next 10 years. And that's how I feel about this hire already, where I'm like, yeah, this makes me feel good. This guy, this makes me feel good. And this feels like somebody, like you mentioned, Shane, in the, some of our previous podcasts, who can be the manager of the White Sox for the next 10 years? And it's undeniable that that within the first few minutes, you say to yourself, yeah, this looks like a guy that can shape not only this team and, 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 and operate within the window that they have right now, but he has a track record of building up guys and, 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 and working with younger men to, to put them in a position to succeed. And, and you know, he can do that with this roster as well. 